Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio right here in coastal Mississippi. And I want to welcome our listeners from the Jackson and Delta markets as we continue to roll the show out to other markets and on other days. I appreciate you being here listening. I have a very special show today. We'll come to that here in just a second. But, you know, I um, I know that there are a lot of people who drive in uh, to the capital this time of year. There are a lot of constituents that, that drive in that want to be part of the democratic process in Mississippi. And uh, you may be driving and you're not sure when you start to get a, a faint signal on Super Talk, you're not sure exactly which one to tune into next. So if you haven't figured that out, one thing I would really recommend that you do is go to supertalk.fm supertalk.fm and just pull up the show that you're listening to or the channel that you're listening to and you'll be able to continue to listen as you know you may be driving to Paris France and you can still listen so uh, just uh, Paul Gallo and I talked about this the other day a brilliant digital and radio strategy by the leadership at Supertalk Mississippi Media but to remember the the website supertalk.fm so easy to remember and uh, you can get your particular station you can get the main station in Jackson. You can listen to specific shows. You can you can interact however you want to interact. But anyway, that's just a, that's just a little tip for you because again, a lot of people are going to be in their cars this time of year as they drive up to Jackson to to be involved in the legislative process. You know, this show is the show that uh, celebrates the people, the men and women who are working so hard across the state of Mississippi to make this such a great place to live, work, and play. And uh, so we have a wide range of people that we talk to who are working in the trenches. They're leading. They're volunteering. They may be entrepreneurs that are doing really cool things. You know, it could be Mississippians that are that are doing cool things. You know, we've had celebrities. We've had people that you don't know who they are, but they once you learn who they are, you realize that they are involved in something really, really special. And so, you know, our goal here is to sort of uh, find those people to have fun conversations. Every now and then, we're going to have what I refer to as a Ricky Matthews show diversion, and it's to it's to celebrate maybe a local person that's doing something well outside the state of Mississippi. That's the case today. And uh, and just have an interesting conversation. But I want to share with you real quick before we get to the show uh, a, con- a a quote that I ran across that sort of applies to the start of the new year because a lot of people are focused on you know what what's the future going to be as I want to you know take on my New Year's resolutions etc. But I have a history book that I get every morning, and in the history book that I got a couple of days ago, it was celebrating. Uh, President Ronald Reagan actually being sworn in as, a, as the governor of the state of California back in 1967. And here's something that he said along the way. Man, he said so many cool things along the way, but this is one that I think is really important. He said, the future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. You know, whether you're talking about changes you want to make in yourself, you know, you, you say you want to improve your mental health 
and you're focused on that. You're you're going to focus on the people that you, that surround you. Take out the negative people and bring in more positive people. Maybe you're focused on losing some weight and getting healthier physically. Um, you know, maybe you're working in the community and you want to you want to do some bold things in the community. I think it's true that the future doesn't belong to faint-hearted; that it belongs to those that are brave. Sometimes you have to actually take. Um, you have to take you know risks in the community. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you're focused on doing something. Uh, I know a lot of entrepreneurial efforts that I've been involved in and people that have been on the show have been involved in. Boy, it wasn't for the faint-hearted. It, it, you had to be brave to sort of get out there and try new things. I think that actually applies very, very well to our next guest. So let me shift gears now and share with you sort of uh, what the way I want to open this store, this the, the show today. If you analyze New Orleans Saints coverage, and uh, and there's a lot of it out there because in, in the dawn of the digital world, you've got Instagram and F- Facebook and YouTube, and um, uh, you've got you know people have their own websites. Of course, you have radio and TV and newspapers, and most of them have extensions of that uh, in some kind of digital uh, format. But if you look at the New Orleans Saints content, you see there's a lot of work happening in that area. Now, if you pay attention to the New Orleans Saints, you probably know some of these that I'm going to mention now. Um, But maybe if you don't pay attention to it, pay attention to what I'm about to say, because it's going to give you a, a real sense of how do you, in the sea of competitors, how do you differentiate yourself? But you have uh, some folks like this, for example, AFR, which is an extension of ESPN radio. You have Bobby Bear, the farmer, the farmer quarterback for the New Orleans Saints that's with WWL Radio. Uh, he has a podcast or an extension to YouTube from what they're doing. You have Locked On Sports or Locked On Saints, which is actually a national uh, footprint. They have a digital strategy, and and they have a New Orleans uh, part of that. But they're part of something, sort of this national strategy. You have this company called New Orleans Football, which is led by a guy by the name of Nick Underhill. And uh, they're highly financed, and uh, they're a very local effort. But it's it's one that they've done a really good job in their digital footprint. You've got the powerhouses like the Saints team at my farmer company, the TimesPicayunanola.com, and uh, you know they put a lot of their energy in the TimesPicayunanola.com side of that. But they have an extension to that on YouTube called Insider, uh, the the Insider Saints program. But if you look at if you look at that that mix of competitors, right there in the middle of the pack. It's one guy, literally one man. <laughs> he has no team around him. It's one one man, and his name is James Scrametta. Now, yeah, that's actually right, This the Scrametta family from coast of Mississippi. James now lives in New Orleans, and uh, today we're going to tell James a story. How did one guy battle the Saints content giants and gain relevance in a sea of content in New Orleans around the Saints? He's, he's, he's kind of found his niche. His analysis of uh, the Saints is what I find to be really smart, really funny at times, and piercingly accurate. Uh, he's, he's, he, he calls a spade a spade, and he doesn't back away from that. And the viewers have, become to, have, have started to really come back for more, and he's growing pretty dramatically, I think over a million views in 2023. So we're going to spend the whole time with James today. And without any further ado, let me uh, welcome my friend James Cremetta to the Ricky Matthews Show. How are you doing, James? Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. What an intro. I don't know if uh, Governor Schwarzenegger was talking about 
posting football videos on YouTube when he was talking about <laughs> being brave, but I'll, I will take it. I'll take it. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, I have a great way to start the show. So I'm going to kind of give you a, uh, a question that, that the listeners may not understand it, but you'll explain it. But uh, what I want to ask you is this, how did, how did the ice on your eyes go last night as you looked into your storm, man? Uh, so funny question. That was a quote from DeMario Davis after the Buccaneers game. And we, uh, broke down his interview and I never heard that quote. So I, I thought it was like a Lieutenant Dan and Forrest Gump, like screaming at the storm. It's, I, it's actually from, uh, it's from the Bible with, with the disciples and, and Jesus. So I had a ton of my audience telling me, basically giving me a, a theology class. And I'll tell you this, I wish they would have talked to the storm in week three or week two or week four. I don't know why it took 17 weeks to, to call the storm. And, and to fix the season. It might be a little too late, but I, I, I love the way you said that your money was on nine and a half wins. You know, they, 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 they pick one, one game too late to figure it out. Brutal. I mean, you talk about lost sleep. I had the biggest bet I've ever made in my entire life was on uh, the saints to win more than nine and a half regular season games. And uh, now it's just the world's most expensive coaster on my uh, coffee table in my living room. But yeah, now and you know what's going to happen? Like now that they can't win ten games, they're going to win the against the Falcons. They're going to probably win the division. They'll go to the playoffs and <laughs> they may go on a run and you know win the Super Bowl with nine wins. And, and I'm going to be sitting here holding the bag. So tough year for me. Hey, hey listen, James, I hope that's the case. I, I I was looking at some of the percentages on the chances of them even getting into the playoffs now since they need so much help. Is it's in the teens? So oh yeah, yeah. That's more than likely they won't. But wouldn't it be great if they did? I, I mean, even you would love that, wouldn't you? It's crazy because if you ask Saints fans, they're kind of apathetic. They, they really don't know what they want right now. Even after the Buccaneers game, I had a lot of people telling me, you know, we reacted. We did our whole uh, video immediately after the game, and people are chiming in in real time. And they were all kind of saying the same thing. They're like, I don't know whether to cheer or not. Because on one hand, if we do go on a run, that's just a bigger chance that this coaching staff and the players come back. Do people want that? Right. But at the same time, you don't want to cheer against your team. So they're kind of caught in this catch 22. They're not totally sure what they want. And that, that's even kind of the media. I was listening to uh, Nick Underhill in New Orleans football last night, and he was saying the same thing. He was saying, do we want to go to the playoffs? Sure. But do, should like do we deserve to be there? Would that be good for the franchise? Is that long term good? I don't know. That's, that's a tough question for fans right now. It is a tough question. It is. Uh, listen, we're actually going to we'll get into some of that content before we get done with our conversation today. But what I'm going to do is turn the page back a little bit and talk about growing up in Biloxi. Sure. You know, you know, I know the Scrametta family really well. Uh, well, I literally watched you grow up. You know, yeah. I know your parents really well. Uh, your grandfather. And uh, my family, my wife's family, all were in the same neighborhood, you know, over on the point. And uh, wonderful, uh, you know, Slavoni or Croatian influence to both of our families. Um, we're going to get into all that here in just a second. And what and what what made you pick journalism? And how did you get into this sort of YouTube becoming a YouTube influencer the way that you are? We're going to tell all that story when we continue our conversation with James Cremetta after this break. We'll see you shortly.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. And again, welcome our listeners from the Delta, Jackson, and Mississippi Gulf Coast markets as we come to you from the Citizens Bank studio. Say that quote one more time. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. It applies to so many parts of our lives. It certainly um, points to someone who's trying to become relevant in sort of the, the digital space these days because there's so many so many podcasts out there and they have so many different partners and it's hard. It's not easy to do that. And James Grometta, our guest today from Coastal Mississippi, incidentally, who now lives in New Orleans, he's got, he's got a pretty cool gig. This is not his full-time gig. This is uh, something he does on the side. We'll talk about that here in just a second. Hey, before we get back to the conversation, James, I just want to um, allude to something we were chatting about before the, before the show started. Uh, Kyle Curley, who is the producer of this show, he does IT and operations. He produces this show. I can set my watch by Kyle Curley. We've done over 900 shows together. Um, what an amazing dude he is. But he does the music in the Superdome during Saints games. You you cover the Saints from about every perspective. So when I mentioned music, you immediately understood what Kyle's contributions were, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Look, I get, I've been going to every home game for probably a decade now, and the music, even when the Saints are good, a lot of people talk about the music over what's going on on the field. I'll tell you this, before I started going to Saints games, I never listened to Pantera. And now that uh, I've been going to Saints games, my Pantera intake has gone very high. So, yeah, Kyle has a serious influence on my uh, my Spotify playlist every year. Pantera man, Kyle. It's been a long road to be able to play Pantera at the Superdome. Tell you that. Oh, well, I look forward to it every week. That's why I go. I basically have season tickets to Pantera, not the Saints. So. Right. Appreciate it. <laughs> that's that's cool. That, that's that's really cool. I often say, James, that when the music is great, the Saints win. Yeah, agree. When the Saints lose, they had a bad game plan. <laughs> so, yeah, bad playlist. Right, right. Well, it's not Kyle's fault when they lose. Not that's my the, fault. <laughs> so anyway, James, coming back to you, man. It's going. We, we'll get into sort of where you are today with your your show and what you're doing. With it's very unique. I love the way you're doing. It. In fact, actually, there's some uh, there's some parts of it that I want to steal. I like the way that you will play uh, others' reactions to the Saints and then comment about it. I, I mm-hmm. love the way you do that. I actually want to start doing it when there's important public meetings. I want to I want to inset me into an important public meeting and stop it and say, here's what you just heard. Let me tell you why this is important. I want to do it as it relates to the uh, Department of Wildlife, Fisheries and Park Commission. So we'll we'll talk about that here in just a second, because I love the way you do that. And it's extraordinarily effective. But again, let's take a step back. You grew up in a really important Biloxi family that that has roots back to Croatia. Uh, what was that like to grow up in Biloxi? I love Biloxi. I love Mississippi. Uh, you know, even though I live in New Orleans, my heart home is Mississippi. I love going back to Biloxi as much as I can. Uh, and I think really, I think it's a big part of why, um, I kind of started that creative route. You know, I, I, uh, a lot of people say, you know, you can't be a funny stand-up comedian if you're from New York or California or Los Angeles, you have to be from the, the middle of America, you have to be from these cities, these rural cities, like like a lot of the cities in Mississippi. So, you know, it makes you a storyteller. It makes you be imaginative. 
you know, John Grisham, obviously people like that who who are, are shining lights of that. And I think uh, Biloxi is a big reason I am who I am. Well, you know, it's interesting you pointed that out. Um, I've told people a lot, like if someone's confused about what they want to be when they grow up, I'll tell them, you know, look, you got to have some good foundation. You got to have a good math foundation. If you're going to college, you, you need to know a little bit about business. You need to you need to kind of broaden your knowledge just about the world. But the ability to communicate is one of the most important things you can you can get. So when you'd made the decision to go to the University of Southern Mississippi and get a degree in journalism, uh, that was important to you, wasn't it? Yeah, I knew I knew what I wanted to do. And it was a weird time period because so much it was so different just as far as like media and journalism in 2007 versus how it would be in 2012, you know, when I graduated. Because when I went to college, social media wasn't a big deal. YouTube wasn't a big deal. Podcasts weren't a big deal. And you think about these major players now, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast, Barstool Sports, you know, people like that who are bigger arguably than than ESPN or, or some of the news channels. They didn't even exist, you know. So going to journalism school or wanting to be a journalist – was a very different road in 2007. So my my destination was the same, but how I got there was was way different than how I thought it would be. Yeah, I, th- I think I think you're I think you're right about that. It's uh it's amazing how if you find your as I as I referred to you off the off the uh, air, you find your stick. Yeah. That you can differentiate yourselves from others, and 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 we'll. We'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that here in just a second. But what's what's interesting, and I learned this doing this show, is that to to pre, get pretty good at this, you got to do it a lot, man. You just got to do it a lot. And the same thing's true about about communicating. When you started your journalism career, and it's interesting, you started at the Sun Herald. Mm-hmm. I used to be president publisher of the Sun Herald. You started after I was I was no longer actually with the Sun Herald, but I still followed your career closely because the fact is, even after I left the Sun Herald. I had tremendous respect for so many of the people who worked there and followed uh, them carefully. And I knew that, you know, they were going to have, they had some tough roads ahead because newspapers in general are really going to struggle because the business model that paid for journalism had literally been obliterated. But that time you spent at the Sun Herald was actually really important to you in terms of forming your ability to, you know, I don't know, choose words carefully and form sentences carefully and pri- appropriately. You worked for some really good editors. That was important to you, wasn't it? Uh, the, so this, that's a good example of how the media landscape changed. So when I was, there was only really three options back then of if you wanted to do media. You had to go to terrestrial radio, which is your classic, you know, one one oh six four the wolf in some random city. You have TV, like a local news station, or you have newspaper back then at least. And um, that's the only way to get like you said, to get reps, to get to get those hours in of doing something. And the Sun-Herald offered me a job. I was working uh, at Mississippi Coast Supply in the warehouse, moving shower units and, and toilets. So shout out Mississippi Coast Supply. And then I went to the Sun-Herald, and I really never wanted to be a newspaper reporter. I never wanted to be a reporter. I wanted to be uh, talking about sports all day. That's all I wanted to do. So um, the newspaper, it gave me a good idea of what I didn't want to do in media, and uh, kind of sharpened my focus on what I did want to do in media. So, you know, it was tough. I was a crime reporter there. Like I said, I had no background doing that. That's a far cry from talking sports. So it taught me a lot, and uh, it definitely moved me on the path in journalism, for sure. It, it did, and what was interesting, during that time, 
you started the toy with podcasting. And that's yes. when I, you know, first I was, I was following you closely during those days. And I, and I knew if you stuck with it, there's something there in all this. I mean, part of, part of, part of getting good at it is you got to have staying power. You have to be willing to hang in there with it. And I could see early on, you had a passion for it, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, you talk about this, like when I was at the Sun Herald, that's when I first saw and learned about the new age of digital media, like, like, uh, YouTube and podcasts, and specifically uh, Norm Macdonald, uh, you know, who recently passed. But he he had a podcast, like a live video podcast on YouTube. And Dennis Miller had a podcast. And I was watching and listening to both of those, and they both solo produced it. It wasn't with a company. It wasn't with whoever. It was in their own personal studios. And at that time, I was like, whoa, you know, this this is – I don't need a terrestrial radio station to give me a horrible time slot at a – you know, local station and who who knows where I can do it on my own. So I went and bought a camera, went and started everything, and I started to do that. And when I was at the Sun Herald, I had a couple videos that went relatively viral, nothing crazy, and I had a conversation with the editor at the time. Um, he kind of said, "Why don't you kind of do this for us? But instead of doing it on the topics you want, do it on local topics, like city council meetings and whatever piers being built in Gulfport or whatever." and I said, it's not going to work. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I can't. I cannot do that. I can't. That's not me. That's not what I want to do. So I made the decision there to go full bore into making it independently and shifting away from Sun, the Sun Herald. And I started on PR. So that's when my career shifted into two splits. One being the professional career, pay the bills, and the second one was this kind of passion. And you know, you talk about stay in power. That's the biggest thing with people now that I talk to trying to get into the space. They want to make money. They want to have a huge audience. And I tell everyone, I say, you will not for five, 10 years. It's not going to happen. So unless you love it enough to do it for that length of time, you know, it's not, it's not going to work. And that's, that was exactly what happened to me. I did it for 10 years uh, for virtually no one with an audience of less than 10 people. And I did not make a dollar. For ten straight years, so yeah, and the development that happened during that time was pretty significant, and that's why you know, this whole notion of faint-hearted, I, I, boy, I can relate to that really well because I, I worked my way up for twenty-seven years, became publisher of the Sun Herald, and then in two thousand nine had this opportunity to lead the company. I thought I'd never leave because I mean I was so committed to the community, I was so committed to the industry, and you know we're helping to rebuild Coastal Mississippi. And then I had to make a decision. And I listen, it took me almost five months to decide to take the offer that I was given. When we come back on the other side, I'll tell you why that's relevant to what you did. And we'll uh, you know, we'll share from our own personal experiences, you know, how we reach these forks in the road and we have decisions to make. We'll continue our conversation with James Scrametta after we come back from break. See you after this. and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend James Grimetta. 
James is competing with some big players in New Orleans around Saints content. We'll talk to you more about how to find him. And uh, I really, if you're a Saints fan, I really encourage you to listen. You'll enjoy the analysis. It's very smart. You'll laugh a lot. And you will be blown away with how how piercingly honest he is about what he thinks needs to happen at the Saints. He's sort of, he's sort of found his shtick. It's going to be fun to watch uh, James as he continues to evolve. But when we went to break, I was mentioning that, you know, again, coming back to this whole notion of the future belongs to those who are faint-hearted, uh, uh, who, who, are, who, who doesn't belong to those who are faint-hearted. In other words, you've got to be willing to take risk in your life. And I was mentioning that I had an opportunity in 2009 to uh, take a new job with Advanced Condé Nast, which I ultimately decided to do. Took a lot of time to think about it. But, you know, you reach these forks in your your life. You know, I, I, every step of the way, every couple of two or three years in my career, I had a chance to take a new job or do something different. And I usually chose to do it. And, I, you know, I look back on it now, some of the smartest things I ever did. I mean, people often will say, nah, God, I don't want to do it. I can't, I can't take the risk. I, I just can't do it. I can't take the risk. Whatever it is, it might be maybe I'm going to go walk more or I'm going to look at, work out weights. Oh, God, I can't do it. And I just can't handle the pain. Or maybe it's read more. Or maybe it's drink more water. Or maybe it's your career. Or maybe it's, you know, life choices that you make. You got to be willing to when you get to that when you get to that fork in the road. You got to be willing to make the tough decisions that and take some risk and see what happens. That's what you did. Watching as a sort of an observer during that time when you were at the Sun Herald and you started your own kind of podcast over here to the side, and then you made the decision to lead the Sun Herald. I was actually blown away that you did that because I thought, God, if you stayed with the Sun Herald, you could continue to develop these skills. But you were bold enough to say, you know what? That's not the path I need to take. I'm going to go in a different direction. How, is that something you lost sleep about, or did you do it confidently? No. I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I always say it's it's crazy until it's not. You know, like if you look at someone like Oprah, when she was a news station reporter, if she would have told somebody, I'm going to be a billionaire, I'm going to have the biggest show in the world, I'm going to do, have my own magazine, people would have said, that's crazy. You know, it's, it's insane. It's not going to work. But now it's like, how, of course it would have worked, right? So – to me, it's it's way more reckless and it's way more scary to not try and to not take the chance and to wonder what happened. You know, to stay uh, in a safe space and, and always wonder like, could I have done this? Could I have chased whatever? And so I know I had, and maybe it's you know false uh, confidence, I guess. But I always believed that I was good at what I wanted to do and I was good at what I what I did. And so I had this kind of belief that if I just pushed and I just kept trying and I just kept knocking on the doors, so eventually a door would open, you know, whether it took 10 years or 10 hours. Well, hey, what was amazing, hey, James, what was amazing is how young you were when you were faced with these decisions. Yeah, I was 20. I was like 22 somewhere. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, so you, uh, you left the Sun Herald and what did you do after that? Uh, I started doing PR, which had no training at all in, uh, uh, the University of Southern Mississippi's Gulf Coast Research Lab, which is now the School of Ocean Science and Engineering, took a chance on me. Uh, Pam Moeller hired me. Uh, she's still with USM. And she kind of took me under her wing and, and kind of taught me PR. PR really, I guess, is just reverse engineering reporting. So it was easy. Uh, my, my The least favorite part of being a newspaper reporter for me was like asking people questions, you know, kind of you know, getting in people's faces and getting the answers. But when you're doing PR, you have the answers. So it took the 
hard part out. So I started doing PR and my whole goal was to find a stable job, easy, you know, normal hours, consistent hours that allowed me to really focus on what I wanted to do after work or before work, uh, which was at the time like podcasts and videos and blogs and my websites and stuff like that. So that's how it, that's how it started. So you started to really, uh, it's interesting too, you started to reverse engineer what it takes to succeed in the digital realm because as you pointed out, you got to know the data, you got to understand how organic works, you got to, the algorithms are constantly changing. And so you, you spend a lot of time just kind of understanding the foundation of what it means to be successful beyond just, beyond the part that you felt like would work, and that is, the time you're going to put in to do the analysis, the time you're going to put into making sort of your name, your thoughts, your approach, you know, you could be great at all those things, but if you didn't have the found, the digital foundation in place, it's all for naught. It's like a tree falling in the forest that nobody hears. You knew that for 10 years. Um, yeah, 100%. But you, you, you built a foundation around that, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, it, it is, you know, when you don't have a, a – set organization like a newspaper or a website or a news station or whatever you have to create you have to force the algorithm you have to force whatever whatever it is at the time you have to force it to get you in front of other people i don't care if you're the smartest man in the world i don't care if you're the greatest musician in the world if you're playing to a room of zero then no no one's going to hear it or, or care so you have to somehow get out there now at the same time i would say that the digital space you have a much better chance of being seen, you know, just like we were talking about in 2007, you had to do the, the newspapers, you had to do the local terrestrial radio. Same if you're a musician, right? You had to play the horrible bars and the horrible concerts to 20 people to hope one person can get you to the next spot. Now you have a much better chance of just putting your music on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or YouTube and sending it to the masses. So. It's hard to get out there, but the opportunities are out there. So, what do you? What's your job today? What's your full time job today? Same thing. PR. Uh, do PR in New Orleans for an energy services company. And it's funny because I think as I've gotten better with you know, YouTube and podcasts and that world, it's made me better in the PR world because I do understand the organic growth and the algorithms and things like that. And anytime we have to do like video editing or video creation i'm always like i could you know i can help and, and <laughs> people are like do you have experience with this and i was like ah you know only i've only put probably five hundred thousand hours into <laughs> videoing uh, myself so hey do, you, do your bosses there. appreciate the fact that you've built this capability outside of work that really makes you better at work uh no i don't i've, I've kept them separate I, I say no but i don't think it's almost like a clark kent superman situation i try and keep both lives separate, you know, so I, I, uh, I don't even know but if they know. Honestly. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if you have fans at work, you know, so ever since things blew up, I, we joke around like, will I do, will I get noticed in new Orleans at saints games? So I'm always, so now that there's the audience is way bigger, you know, when it was an audience of 40, it wouldn't have happened. But now that it's an audience of a million, uh, then, you know, I, I do kind of keep that in the back of my head. When, when I'm out there. So maybe, yeah, I, mean, work, I don't know, maybe people in the break room. You, yeah, you have to, it makes you, you have to be responsible. You know, the truth is if you're not representing your brand all of the time, yeah. so you're, you're a public figure now, you can't afford, you can't afford to drop your guard. One mistake, James, you know this, 
could blow it. You yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah. Well, as, are, lo- as, as long as you're, well, that's another thing too. Like as long as you're real and what you're doing and who you are and what you, you know, if you're, if you believe in what you're saying, then like you said, I, I, you know, piercingly honest, I think it was your, your term. I, I am piercingly honest with what I think the saints should do and what I think with the, the NFL and sports in general, but I really do believe it. So whether I'm saying it to a YouTube audience or, or someone in, in the street, you know, I, I'm going to believe what I'm, or I'm going to say what I believe in. As long as I believe in it and I'm confident in it and I have the data and the stats to back it up, you know. Hey, so for people who have not been to his podcast, and I really encourage you to go look at James Scarmetta on uh, on YouTube, what you'll see is he'll, he's reacting to other media. So let's take New Orleans football, for example. Maybe Nick Underhill is reacting to the game, and then what James does is react to Nick, Nick Underhill reacting to the game, game. So they'll put New Orleans football video up there. James will do a little inset at the bottom left. He'll be in that, and he'll be reacting, stopping the video and reacting to it. Um, I'm actually curious when you when you do these, you might be reacting to Bobby A. Bear, or you might be mm-hmm. reacting to whoever. You know, you got several that you react to. Um, do they ever get mad at you for reacting to them, or do they do they appreciate that you do? Uh, I so I, I know Nick. Well, I don't know Nick, but Nick has reached out and we've talked a little bit about some of these videos, and, and I know he appreciates appreciates. I, I think he's fine with it. Uh, the way I look at it is that, and I didn't create this format, but I do think I'm good at the format because it kind of simulates debate. If you think about how many times you've watched like ESPN and you've watched Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless and you've thought that's wrong or you've thought, well, that's the, that's the, you know, that's a wrong way of looking at it. Or you had a thought that was better. Maybe you can't call Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless and get put on the show and explain it. But this is a way to do that. This is a way to provide context and to, you know, take, take thoughts and take, take things different ways. So I look at it like basically being on the show uh, and creating, you know, kind of a new product out of, out of their video. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a really cool approach and it only works because I think the competitive advantage you bring is something I mentioned to you, but off the air is that you're doing it off the cuff. It's not, you're not scripted at all, actually. Talk about yeah. that, and and how are you good at that? That's how I prefer to do it. So early YouTube was very edited. It was very like sound effects and video effects and graphics and whatever. I want it to be more like a show. You know, I want it to be more like a radio show. Why don't we do this? When we come back on the other side in the final segment, we'll talk specifically, how does he do it? And right. how can you get to it and see it yourself? And then, you know, where are the Saints going from here? We'll see in the last segment what James has to say about that. But we'll continue our conversation with James Grimetta on the other side. We'll see you after this. to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank studio. I have my friend James Scrimetto with us today. He has a, He's a New Orleans-based content creator that had over a million views on his YouTube channel in 2023. And look, if you go into the big radio station of New Orleans is WWL. And then you've got NOLA.com, the number one, one of the strongest local 
uh, uh, websites in the entire United States. I used to be president of the company that had responsibility for that. Uh, the Times Picayune, you've got WWL TV, you've got WDSU, and all, man, you've got a lot, a sea of competitors that have teams of people behind them, and they're paying tons of money for their for their talent and all this stuff. And in the midst of all of that, you have one man. Without a team, <laughs> this one-man show and James Cremetta, who's become relevant and is growing, and he's got a lot of uh, people who pay attention to what he's doing, and it's it's just a great story. And he's from coastal Mississippi, from the Scrimetta family here in coastal Mississippi. So we're we're chatting about that. What 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 we were saying before we went to to the break is simply that the, the, your approach is to react to what others are saying, and it creates great ways for you to sort of show what you're good at. Have you always been good? at sort of thinking on your feet and you know sort of being off the cuff yeah i think uh i think i've always been kind of witty and i think those conversations people like conversations like that unedited kind of how you would talk to a friend how you would talk to somebody at a bar and that's basically how my channel is it's the same conversation you're going to get if you're sitting at your local watering hole and you ask somebody think the saints are going to win this weekend and you kind of have that back and forth that's what I'm simulating on my channel with every video, with every topic we do. So yeah, I same, love it. Same kind of flow. Well, you, but you, you were, you have, you're pretty well read. There's a lot of different uh, re- references you make. Uh, for example, I love the one, the one that you use a lot, and I know it well because I read just about every book he wrote. Was Tony Robbins? Yeah. And this, 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 this effusive positivity that comes out of Derek Carr yeah. and and others. And it, that part just drives you crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, Carr, a very polarizing figure right now, uh, certainly in New Orleans, but he is like overtly positive. He is the most, very Tony Robbins, Joel austin est And that doesn't come off great when you're losing in prime time, you know, 30 to 7 or whatever it may be, or if you throw for 170 yards, you know, it's hard to to listen to a walking fortune cookie when you just want to hear, you know, you want to hear like what actually happened in the game. I don't want motivational advice. I want to know why we're losing. I want to know why, you know, we're, we're under 500 again. Does it strike you that when in the, in this press conferences, he really never says anything that, that I think, I think he's playing a character. I think he wants to be Drew Brees. He, he wants so hard to be Drew Brees and he wants to be loved and he wants to be this figure this like, you know, big figure in the city. But what he fails to realize or what he can't do, I guess, is that the reason Drew Brees got there is because what he did on the field and what he gave to the city and what he gave to the team. Carr has to do the on the field stuff before he can give these these uh, positive press conferences. Hey, you did a you did a really good podcast in a short time we have left for people who are Saints fans. I'd like to end with you at least explaining your point of view about this, and that is that eight and eight, we could be nine and eight. We may or may not get in the in the uh, playoffs. It looks like Dennis Allen's job is probably safe. But the hope, and there's a lot of different macerations, you know, that from cleaning house to which they probably are not going to do. I know, I know Mickey Loomis. I, I know Miss Benson. You know, obviously, I spent some time in the city, had a chance to get to get to know them well. I know Dennis Lashaw. They're not going to be quick to get rid of Dennis Allen. I, I just know that, and you know that too. So probably some changes in the offensive, you know. Maybe, maybe an absolutely turnover on the offensive thinking. Um, I, so. I, I can't help but remember that John Gruden actually had had Carr playing his best, but someone like a John Gruden. I don't think John Gruden, but you know, you know the point. Yeah. Um, you know, what's your latest thinking on all that? 
I think you got two lines of thinking, right? You have a fan's line of thinking, which is blow it up. The fans always want new head coach, new quarterback, new owner, new GM, new new whatever. But then you got to think that's so much turnover for one offseason. So, of course, Loomis, do we need a new head coach? Yes. Do we need a new OC? Yes. Do we need a new quarterback? Yes. Do we need a new defensive coordinator? Yes. But we have to have a team next year. We can't fill 40 different jobs in one offseason. So what I think Loomis will do is I think he'll fire – the offensive staff. I think he'll give Allen another year because Allen is a good defensive coach. We didn't fill the hole that was Sean Payton and Drew Brees. I mean, we lost our greatest coach in franchise history, one of the greatest offensive minds in the NFL for the last 15 years. We lost our franchise quarterback, who, in my opinion, is a top five quarterback to ever live. We lost all of that, and we replaced it with a defensive coach, and we didn't replace the quarterback. So now I think Loomis will try and fix the offense, go get a, a true coordinator outside of the building, whether that's, you know, Ben Johnson or Joe Brady from Buffalo or, or you know, someone someone that we don't even know yet, an analyst somewhere or an offensive analyst. But he'll do that, give Allen a chance to write the defense. And then if that doesn't work, more than likely we'll cut Carr ne- after next year and then we'll probably will make the head coaching change. Yeah, I think that's a. I think that's an accurate assessment, um, James. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I had the impression that I thought I would have, and that is that I've enjoyed visiting with you. Just not just because I admire your family and you know I've watched you carefully. I love what you're doing. I think there's some of your best work is ahead of you. You have such a wonderful shtick about you, and I think you understand you understand how it works. I look forward to following that. I look forward to you joining me again. Well, there's yeah. some, you know, we'll talk less about your story next time and just talk about the situation, whatever it might be, and, and tap into that fun part of you that, that I look forward to visiting with in the future. But until then, thank you for joining, my friend. Happy New Year to you. Absolutely. Much appreciated. Happy New Year to you. You bet. You bet. This has been James Cremetta. And uh, listen, have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.